Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In Categories Chapter 11, Aristotle is examining really three main topics, all of which add to our understanding of contraries, ta anantia in the Greek. And remember, contraries are one of four main types of opposition that he discusses. Contraries are particularly important when we're thinking about qualities because that tends to be where they fall in. And so in the first little discussion, he talks about the contrary of good being evil or bad. So we have agathos and, and or agathon rather, and kakon. Those are the Greek terms. And so he says you can prove this by induction. We're not really going to worry too much about that. Induction is epagoge. And there's a whole interesting discussion about what that consists in. What we're really after here is that Aristotle points out something that might seem to be an exception to the rule, which is that a contrary only has one thing that is opposed to it. Now, that's not going to be the case in most contraries, but it is with bad and good. How is it the case with bad and good? Well, here is where we see Aristotle relying on some understanding of his virtue ethics, where he points out that what is good tends to be a mean or middle, mesotase in Greek, between two extremes. So the contrary of a bad can be a good or it can be something else that's bad. In the case of virtues and vices, right, the mean is what is good and the things that are bad are at the ends, the defect or the excess. You know, for example, when it comes to enjoyment of bodily pleasures, too much of that and too strong of a desire for that, an uncontrolled desire, that's bad. But also not having desire at all, a defect in that, that's also bad. So if we ask, well, what is the bad opposed to? It could be understood as being opposed to the good, which is the middle position position, the virtue, say, of temperance or moderation, or it could be opposed to the vice that's at the other extreme. So that is one very important point right there about the, the nature of contraries. Some contraries may, in fact, have multiple things that they're, they're opposed to, right? Now, that's, that's one interesting topic. The second really interesting topic has to do with contrast, we might say. Aristotle raises a question. If one contrary exists, does that mean that the other one of necessity must exist. And here's where we want to look at some of the examples that he provides. He tells us it does not of necessity follow that if one of these contraries exists, the other must exist. So when people are saying, well, you know, you can't have the good without the bad or things along those lines, Aristotle would say, that's not really correct at all. You can have the good without the bad, right? So he says, consider healthiness. Suppose that all things became healthy. Then there would be health, not disease. Or suppose that all things became white. 
then all things would be white, only not black. And is this imaginable? Yes, it is. You, I mean, it would be hard to figure out how to get around in a world where everything was white because we'd have no visual contrast, I suppose, unless we had shades of white. But imagine a world in which everyone was healthy and no disease existed. That's feasible. So just because one contra exists doesn't mean the other one has to exist. He goes on and he says, you know, in as much as Socrates' ill is the contrary of Socrates' well, and both contraries cannot exist at the same time in the same individual, if one of the contraries existed, then the other could not then exist. For provided he was well was the fact, he was ill could not also be the fact. He's reducing, he's trying to make an argument here by reducing it to one thing that would have that quality. But we don't have to go that way. We could imagine an entire world in which everything became good or everything became sour or everything became whatever contraries we want. It would be possible for that to be the case, Aristotle thinks. The last thing has to do with genus and species. And here it starts to become a bit more abstract. And you can say, well, what, what is he talking about here? We'll use some examples that'll help flesh this out. So he says that the subjects of contrary qualities, contraries, must have the same species or genus. What are we talking about there? Well, the subjects, remember, are the things in which these qualities, these contrary qualities exist. So I could be healthy or sick. I am the subject and health or sickness is the contrary quality, right? Which I possess. I can be old or young, right? I can be good or bad as a person, and, you know, remember, this, there's contraries that have gradations and all of that. We don't have to worry about that here. What we're interested in is when we're talking about these terms, like, say, good and bad or healthy or sick, we're interested in not just a subject, but multiple subjects. And those multiple subjects must be either in the same species, a human being, right? You're a human being, presumably, watching this or they have to be in the same genus. So let's take one with species first, using the example that Aristotle provides. He talks about goodness and badness, right? Moral goodness and badness in, in the sense. And where does that exist? It exists in the, as he says, in the souls of human beings. So if justice exists in my soul and injustice exists in your soul, or if I change from being just to unjust, right? Then where justice is, the subject that it inheres within is in the same species because you are the same species as me. What about health and sickness? There we're talking about genuses. It might be animal or even living thing, right? Health and sickness don't exist, say, in rocks. I mean, we, we can talk in a metaphorical sense about the health of a fault line or something like that, but we're being very metaphorical there. When we're talking about health and sickness per se, those apply to things within a particular genus, that of living things. So, Aristotle uh, uses those exact examples, but also white and black belong to the same genus, as he's going to tell us. Whiteness and blackness belong to bodies. Those don't have to be living, right? So when you're talking about genuses at a very high level, physical objects, for example, these are often genuses that incorporate other genuses, but they're still genuses in Aristotle's schema. There's another connected corollary or topic here as well. Contraries themselves 
can they be said to belong to species and genuses? Well, a contrary in a certain sense is already a species. It's naming a set of things that have something in common. So if we talk about white things and black things or purple things, right, and brown things, those belong to a particular genus, the genus of color. And we can also have things belonging to contrary genuses. Aristotle gives an example of this. He says, good or justice and injustice fall under two contrary genera, that of virtue and vice. So virtue, vice, those are the high level abstractions here. Particular virtues, justice, courage, temperance, particular vices, injustice, cowardice, uh, intemperance, right? Those are species of things which are then just, you know, this is just, this person is just, this arrangement is just. Um, those relate to that species. And then that species relates to a genus, the genus of vice. He goes on and he says, good and evil themselves do not belong to any genera, why not? Because they are themselves actual genera or genuses. They are what other things fall under. So these are some important additional clarifications to keep in mind with respect to one particular kind of opposition that is contraries. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works. <laughs>